0: No, we're going to talk about how we are family and we are a church and we are a team, all three in one. Isn't that amazing? Because when you're a Christian, you get adopted into the family of God. Isn't that good news? So that means that even if you don't have a natural family, you have a spiritual family wherever you go. You can go to Europe, you can go to Asia, you can go to Africa, and The same father that we have, they have as well. The same spirit that we have, they have as well. So when they may not have the same customs or the same language, but when they smile, you can see Jesus in their smile. Amen? You can hear Jesus in their voice. One lady was calling me, uh, recruiting or soliciting, and they were saying, we were calling to see if there's any uh, repairs that you might need in the facility or you know, in your home? And I said, yeah, I think I do. And so there was a pause there. And normally you would hear a thank you, Jesus. <laughs> but I didn't hear the thank you, Jesus. But I said, you must be Christian, huh? She goes, yes, I am. I was, always, I was just ready to say thank you, Jesus. I, I could hear it. I could hear it in your spirit. I could hear it in your voice. So when you come and you talk to people, they should be able to recognize that you're a Christian, that you come from another planet, planet heaven. Amen? The Bible says there's one family in heaven and in earth. Not two families, but we're the same family that's in heaven and it's in earth. Let's see this first scripture. It says, Now therefore, in Ephesians 2.19, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Amen? You have a family that, that is with you. And you know, one thing about family is you're responsible you, you, for one another. Did you know that? You're responsible to love them, to help them, to serve them, to pray with them, to share with them, to have relationship with them. And, and you know, when you have a relationship with people, if you don't show up to something, guess what? The relationship is kind of broken. You kind of wonder, well, I thought they said they were going to come. They're not They're not coming. I can remember when I was a kid, way back when, 16 years old, I just got my first job at a supermarket. And, uh, you know, I was a young kid, I didn't understand much, but uh, there was this one guy, he was 32 years old, and he was working there, but he was kind of, what do they call those guys, kind of riff-raff kind of guys, kind of scallywag kind of guy, you know, kind of, you know, go from job to job, and anyway, but I liked him, And uh, so he told me he didn't have a place to stay. I said, really? I go, I got an extra bed in my house. I'll ask my mama <laughs> if, if you can stay with us. And so I begged my mom, Mom, please, he's such a nice guy. He can sleep right next to me. We can be like brothers. This be great. And I don't know how I convinced her, because I've never, ever attempted that before. But she said, OK. So she came and met my mom. He came and met my mom. And so the first day that he was going to come, we both uh, clocked out at 9 o'clock. I go, OK, I'll. I'll see you at home, Jim, buddy. <laughs> so I get home, and I'm 9 o'clock, 9.30, I go, Jim should be coming up, Mom, pretty soon. Just, just wait, and we'll see him come up. 10 o'clock, man, I don't know where he is. What? Did he get lost or something? Didn't have cell phones in those days. 10.30 rolls around, no Jim. 11 o'clock, I said, Mom, I'm going to bed. I, just, I looked out the window. I don't see Jim anywhere. And so I went to bed, woke up the next morning, Jim comes walking in, and my mama, you know what mama did, didn't you? Don't you know? She, she, she had brothers, you know, in New York. And when you don't come home at night, you're doing something wrong, right? So my mother, my little five-foot-two mom, <laughs> read the riot act to this guy. You cannot just come in anytime you want. This is not a flop house. My son was expecting you, and you didn't show up, so you take your stuff and... Get out of here. Oh, mom, <laughs> it's Jim. She said, no, I didn't understand then. But see, we have that mentality at church, right? You know, don't bother me. You know, I'll come when I want to come. It's okay, you know, if I show up today, that's fine. If not, that's... But I don't know, for a pastor's heart, I just want to let you know, when you come to this church and when you have a relationship with us, it's like you're in my heart. And you're in God's heart. And I have to give account of you to the Lord. So if you're sick, I come and pray with you. If you're not feeling well, if you have a tragedy in your life, I'm there to help you. We're in relationship to help and love one another. And when you don't show up, it's kind of like you ever had a Thanksgiving dinner and one of the members of the family is not there. How do you feel? We had a great time, but we missed you. And that's the way I feel. Paul said it this way. He says, you are the joy and the rejoicing of my heart. He said, I There's no greater joy that I have than you walk in truth. So I rejoice with you when you do well. I rejoice with you when you have victory. And I cry with you when you don't have uh, peace in your life. Or if you're fighting. You know, if, if you guys are fighting, I get grieved. It registers in me. How much more does it register with the Lord? The Bible says that let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearer, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. So when you're fighting, when you're not doing well, the Holy Spirit is grieved. Praise God. So that we are are the the family of God, that we come together. Uh, Let's look at this uh, next slide. Here we are. See, these guys are all probably different different, uh, families, but what? They're all one family in God. Is that nice to know? Like I can talk to brother Lance and he he's not from our church but there's a camaraderie. There's a you know a relationship because he loves the Lord. He speaks the same thing I do. Now, let's look at this uh, next scripture here. For we having many many, mem- many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Let's go up to the top. We're one body, right? Are you the body of Christ? That's a trick question. Are you the body of Christ? Still a trick question. (laughs) You are members of the body. You're not the whole body. My body is Pastor Chuck, right? I got legs. I got arms. I got eyes. You know, I got ears, but they don't separate. You don't see my legs running down the street and go, oh, there's the body, there goes Pastor Chuck. No. (laughs) This is not Pastor Chuck. This is not, the whole thing is Pastor Chuck. Is that right? All right. So you need to be joined to someone. You don't just uh, uh, go to a church, you belong to a church. God set you in a place. And so when you're not here or when you're not toge- you know, together. But it says here that we don't have the same function. Is that right? Everybody has a different function. Like I was saying, there's 35 different individuals that were busy setting this up. And, uh, you know, uh, it's kind of orchestrated by my wife. Uh, she's the organizational person. I am the Big Bang Theory. Just everybody come and they'll somehow know what to do. (laughs) I mean, you know, it doesn't work that way. (laughs) But my wife gets into the minutest detail of exactly how things are supposed to be. She pre-programs it in her mind and makes it happen. I'm looking back and going like, I don't know how that's going to work. But I've learned just keep doing what she says and at the end it makes sense. Amen? So, uh, So for instance, here, we have a diagram. This is what the, it looks like out there. She puts it on a diagram so that everyone can know. In my mind, you don't have to do all that. But for her and for all those that are here, you need to know this. You need to know how this thing works, right? And, and then on top of that, for the obstacle course, I just said, just let the, let the kids go there. No, 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 no. Here's, here's the, the, the 12 steps for the obstacle course. Irene's laughing. You know my wife, right? Contestants line up two per race with their assigned numbers. You have to have a number. Contestants must take off their shoes. Contestants behind them must take the shoes and bring it to the other side. Now, the announcer says, on your mark, get set, go. And that's pretty obvious, right? Why do you need to write that down for the racer times one and two starts their clock when the announcer says go. Contestants go through the obstacle course. Contestants must put their shoes back on. Then they go to the first checkpoint, throw the basket. Then they go throw the football. And then they rate their, their time one and two, and their names are putting on the, their sign-up sheet. And that way we can award a winner. <laughs> 12 things. I, I wouldn't do all that. But I'm not the, that's not my skill. That's not my forte. I remember once, when we were married. My wife would say, "I've come up with a great idea." She goes, "That's a great idea. Just organize it." I go, okay. <laughs> a week later, well, did you organize it? Yeah, I'm going to get to it. Two weeks later, did you organize it? Uh, and then she looked at me. She goes, "You don't know how to do you?" I go, "No, I don't know how to do that." <laughs> See, I don't know everything, I can't see everything, I can't hear everything, I can't do everything. We need people, members of the body to help one another. Don't think you're just a lone, lone star state, you know, a man on an island, I can do all things, self-made man. Forget that. Let someone come alongside and help you. And when that happens, it's a beautiful thing. It's like this right here in Psalms, do we have a picture? No. Psalms 133, verse 1, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Let's look at this picture. Isn't that nice? Ah, brothers, dwelling together in unity, peace. Do you like peace or do you like turmoil? Do you like excitement? Do you like frustration and drama and patent places? People mad at each other, frustrated at each other, complaining. No, we don't like that, do we? You know, my son had a had a job at Century City, and uh, they were paying him well. But there was turmoil there. The bosses weren't getting along. They were jealous. They were backbiting. They they stabbed each other in the back. And uh, he was loyal. He didn't want to leave because he'd formed a union with them. But it was getting to the point where it was getting kind of uncomfortable. I mean, one of the bosses was flew to London. Didn't tell the other boss he's they're flying to London. That's kind of serious, isn't it? They wouldn't talk to each other, and Charles was in the middle playing, you know, okay, well, I'll take care of you, and I'll take care of you, but it wasn't working out. So another company heard about his talent, said that these are, this is, uh, you're the only one that can fill this position. You have the right s- skill set. So they kept uh, pursuing him, and after two times, he denied him two, tw- two times. No, no, I'm going to stay where I'm at. No, no. And they finally called him back again and said, what does it take to get you to come over? And he listed. Well, I'd like to go to London. I'd like to do this. I'd like to work for- on this project. And they go, OK, whatever you want, come on down. So he's working there. Now, he goes to work, and he doesn't have all the drama. He doesn't have people like crying and complaining and you know, bickering. And he goes, it's kind of boring. <laughs> I miss, <laughs> I miss the excitement of it all. I'm, I miss the comedy. But he says, you know what? After about two or three days, he goes, I know, I, f- I feel the peace. I sense the presence of the Lord here. How good and pleasant it is for what brethren to dwell together in unity. And that's what it's like. I like to try to keep peace in this church. I don't know if you noticed that, but if, if people are upset at each other, I try to go to them. What can we do? How can we settle it? What's the problem, you know? Is the air conditioning too cold? What, what is it? Is the grass, you need the grass greener? We'll do that for you. Whatever you need. <laughs> Brother Ron uh, admonished me one time when the grass was all brown. He said, do, do you keep your house grass all brown like that? I said, okay, we're going to remove you from the records. <laughs> we'll not have that kind of insur- insurrection in this church. Ushers, please take him out. No, now we have grass that's so green, people marvel at it. Even uh, Norma says, it looks like it's fake. It looks like it's so, it's so green, so rich. I wish we could have that at our house. So we went from tragedy to triumph because we listened to one another. Praise God. Okay, uh, the next scripture, 1 Corinthians twelve, twelve. Oh, you're going to like this. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many, all are one body, so also are we in Christ. Now, so the church team is a body of many members. They work together, and everybody has a particular task to do. I don't know if you heard this story about the, uh, the tool, tool uh, what do they call that? Tool, uh, when you put a... Two belt, yes. They had all the tools there. And, you know, they, when they put them uh, at night, they, they set them down in a place. And just like Toy Story, sometimes they come to life at night. So all the tools were talking at night when everybody was sleeping. And the hammer said, I'm the most important part of this uh, tool toolkit I'm the most valuable. I have the most power. I have the most might. And they stood up and said, No, you're... you're You beat everybody up. You hammer everybody. You you put the nail in their coffin. You're not the most important part. And the sandpaper says, I'm the most important part. I bring the finish. And they said, no, you rub everybody the wrong way. (laughs) You you scratch us and you irritate us and you're just no good to be around. You you have any of those scratchy friends, those people that irritate you? They're there to perfect you, right? Then... (laughs) The, uh, the saw says, no, I'm the most important part because I make it everything even. They go, no, 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 you cut, you cut too deep. You cut everybody up. You're not the most important part. And then the ruler says, I'm the most important part because I make everything exact. They go, no, 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 you, you, you measure everybody. You, 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 no, and no one measures up to your standard. You scrutinize everything. You got any friends like that? You want to tell them something? They go. Had you thought? Of, are you doing the right? Do you think you're doing the right thing? Then the plier says, "I'm the most important part." They go, "No, no. You squeeze everybody the wrong way. You, 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 make them feel uncomfortable." And finally, the screw said, "I'm the most important part." And they go, "No. You turned everything upside down. Everything you do is right is not the right way." So these are parts of the body of Christ, and we all probably have people in, that we know that, that are like this. But guess what? When Jesus, the master carpenter, comes, he takes all those tools and he makes them work together to make a finished product that we all can marvel in. So when you are in the master's hand, when you allow him to take your skills and what you can do best and bring it together into the body of Christ, God will make something perfect and something wonderful happen. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. But what's the problem? It, it's is right? There, we have... Too many penalties as a team in our life. Too many people that are not getting along. Too many people that are judgmental. Too many people that are complaining. They're not giving. They're not living right. Penalty, penalty, penalty. Disqualified, suspended. Right? Because if you're trying to work together as a team and everything offends you, guess what? You're not going to get along very well. Instead of saying, well, who made you boss and why did you say that? No, you have to flow together as a team. And what's another thing that that keeps us from operating as a team? Injuries. People on the disabled list. People in the church complaining, I'm injured. Someone did me wrong. Someone mistreated me. Somebody offended me. Somebody talked mean to me or back to me. I'm on the disabled list. I can't play. I can't function anymore. We've got Brother brother, um, uh, Alex here. He's not feeling well today. He's here. He's not on the disabled list. He worked through his injuries. <laughs> We're going to keep them outside. <laughs> you know, what, Tony, you, you can re- remember this when you're playing sports. If you got hurt, you did everything that you could to get to be able to play, whatever it took. You know, I prayed one time with a broken leg. I learned how to play. You know, I learned how to just position myself so I wouldn't hurt it or anything. And uh, my, I don't know where I learned that, probably from my dad. My dad was a, was a you know, tough, tough hombre, and uh, he was, at 92 years old, he was razor scooting down Palos Verdes, at 92 years old, what kind of crazy man is that, and he fell, and he broke his, his wrist, right, he fell and he broke his wrist, and so he went to the doctor, they put a cast on him up to, up to here, up to his elbow. And so my dad's at home, and he's looking at this thing. He says, this thing is cumbersome. So he started. He cut a little bit right here, and then he cut it right here. Kept cutting to get almost down to the wrist, right? So he goes to the doctor for a checkup after a couple of weeks, and the doctor says, what, what happened to your cast? My dad, being the good Italian that he is, nothing. <laughs> 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 New Yorker, you know what I mean? Now it's, he says, I didn't put it on that way. You could spin it. (laughs) It would go like. (laughs) But for some reason, he healed fine. And he went on, and he just, the guy, doctor, finally took it off. But you play through injuries. There's times I come to church, I'm not feeling well. I've got heartache and situations that I wish the Lord would take care of. But I have to put it aside and say, okay, Lord, I'm going to serve you and love your people and do what you've called me to do. And then watch it work out. After it's all done, you, you, you come after and you go like, Oh, the Lord took care of that? Praise God. Amen. If you take care of the Lord's work, he'll take care of your work. Amen? Praise God. So we have penalties. We have injuries. Okay? Let's look at this in first, the next uh, scripture. I'm going to let you guys out early so we can get ready for the partying, all right? Is this helping, you, helping anybody? Okay. We're, what are we? We're the body of Christ. We're the family of God. We're members in particular. We each have tasks that we're supposed to do. We're supposed to play through our injuries. We're not supposed to let penalties upset us. We can't get upset at people. Can't do crazy things. You heard that one guy, he, he made a, a racial slur in the World Series, and they five games, you're not going to be able to play anymore. I just made a little face. <laughs> you can't do that. Okay, 1 Corinthians 12, 25 through 27. There should be no schism in the body. Hallelujah. What does that mean? No fighting. No separation. No, I can't talk to you. I can't look at you. You bug me. (laughs) (laughs) And marriage, folk, it's for you too. Okay. (laughs) But that the members should have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, what? All the members suffer. You can't say, well, you know, that's your problem, you know. I'm not, inv- that's got nothing to do with me. You, got your, you made your bed, you lying. No, you come and help someone. You know, if they have to move out and maybe they didn't pay the rent or what. you don't just say, well, that's your problem. You didn't pay your rent, so now you're going to suffer. No, you come and help the person. If one member suffers, we all suffer. When you get a splinter in your finger, your whole body, it registers in your whole body, doesn't it? When you stub your toe, it goes right to your brain. Ouch! So when somebody is suffering in the body of Christ, we come alongside and help them. You, you don't say, it doesn't affect me. I have nothing to do with it. I don't, I don't have to be involved. No, that's not the way it is. You're a family, a family in God. So we belong to each other. So we're supposed to love, for, love one another, care for one another, disciple one another. If there's something that is wrong in someone's life, you're supposed to be vocal and help them. We were, I was, again, at a pastor's meeting, and one um, brother said his, wife, his uh, daughter was dating uh, an unsaved person, and he's going on and on and on. I didn't want to say anything, but then it just came up and go, you know what? <laughs> That's trouble. I just want to tell you it's trouble. They go, he's a nice guy, though. That's trouble. <laughs> if, you're, if he's not serving the Lord, there's a situation and a reason why he's not, and so Uh, They went on to say, well, we're working with him. We gave him a Bible. He asked about what is salvation all about. And I said, well, you know, that's good. That's moving. I just wanted to warn you because, and it's so funny, his other daughter married the praise and worship leader, married her. They went off, and now he's mistreating her, physically mistreating her. And so he had to, uh, she had to remove herself and find a hiding place somewhere in Texas, rooting for the Astros. And <laughs> and I said, I don't want to alarm you, but you don't want that same thing. No matter how kind or good they may seem, you don't know what's going to happen down the line. So I said, I just have to vocalize that. And they said, okay, we understand. So they, because they had to pray hard for that girl to finally remove herself from the physical abuse. I go, you have to pray just as hard that this person would receive the Lord. Because you don't want that trouble happening in this life. And they, they, because I could have just been silent, and I was trying to be silent. I was trying to say, well, I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to rock the boat. These guys are trying to do the best I can. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, be not unequally yoked with non believers. That's what the Bible says. I'm not saying what I feel, I'm just saying what the Bible says. Because I, one time I was at a church, and the pastor was married, uh, two people, one was un, uh, unsaved, one was saved, and he looked at me because he knew I knew the Bible. He said, I don't want to hear anything about what you say about this or what the Bible says about this. I go, okay, boss. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't have to say it. He knew what the Bible said, right? But he believed that somehow, some way it was all going to work out. Guess what? Two, three months later, didn't work out. Why? Because there's something that you can't be unequally yoked. Because we have problems as married folk, but we work it out. We get along. It brings us closer together. It doesn't mean that we're never going to have a trouble or a disagreement, but we call on the Lord. I know my wife, when she gets mad at me, she goes in the other room. I go in my room and we pray. And I, we, I find out that I, I repent faster than she does. So I'm all repented out. Okay, the Lord dealt with me. I'm sorry, and uh, she would. And I would go knock on the door. She goes, "I'm not done yet." <laughs> okay, and I can hear her screaming. <laughs> and Lord, I don't know why He did this. And that. I go, "Who are you talking to?" Said, the Lord. I go, "Could you put a good word in for me? Could you say something good, something nice?" <laughs> so <laughs> I. Mary's in the back. I know she she was living with us when we first got married, and we would go and sit on her bed, and we go, "Okay, Mary, tell us who's right and who's wrong." <laughs> and I'd tell my story with conviction. Mary Ann tell her story, and somehow, some way, she'd agreed with both of us. And I don't know how she did that. So we went back and said, "Okay, I guess we have to work it out." <laughs> and we did. Praise the Lord. So, uh, what was I, What was that got to do with anything? But you work things out as Christians. Amen? Praise the Lord. And, and see, so you can't be, when you're a member of the body, you can't be separate from one another. You have to feed off one another. That's why Samson got in trouble. He was a judge, but he was a lone ranger. And so he would be going with these Philistine women and, and doing these crazy things, going to bars and stuff and drinking, carrying on. And, and if he had someone that was a godly influence, say, you can't be doing that, Samson. You're a judge. You're not, you're not supposed to carry on like that. But no one could correct him. Even his parents couldn't correct him. Same thing with the older brother, that, uh, the younger brother, the prodigal son's brother. He was out in the field doing his thing and his Found out that the younger brother who had took everything and spent it on women was coming home and he was saying like, who's that guy? You know, I've been here working in the field. Instead of rejoicing that his brother had come home, when we get isolated, we're selfish. We stick to ourselves. We don't think about other people. We had one lady that's joining the church. She says, you know, I've been so isolated. You know, I go, just stick with us. We'll get, we'll get you busy. We'll, we'll find things for you to do. You won't be isolated. You'll have things to do. Praise God. So we have to be accountable for one another. And um, as we do this, let's see. We're all supposed to work together. Let's see the, the picture here. Let's move on to the next slide. There we go. Isn't that good? Everybody working. Everybody happy. It's a good time, huh? That's the way we talk in Italy, huh? It's a good a time, huh? <laughs> Everybody happy. It's a good time. <laughs> Frankie, he here. <laughs> the big cheese, Don Chanson, he here. <laughs> you know, there's not... The, one of the things that's so fantastic about what we're doing today is that everybody's coming together. And once we start going out there and the kids are running around and doing everything they're supposed to do and we have the, the obstacle course and the face painting and the balloon and, and see it all work in precision, we go, that's fantastic. That's marvelous. That's wonderful. And I can remember in times past when I was looking back at the, at the carnival and going, that is so fantastic that everybody's working together. And God is what? Happy with this. So our last scripture here says, but God, but now Half God, next scripture. Okay, we're all working together, right? No penalties, no flags. (laughs) But now, you know, just just a little side note. I, I learned this from my last church is that people are more important than the project. You know, you can have a project, maybe have a children's, you know, choir or something like that, and they're messing up, and, and maybe the children's church director didn't do it right. You don't get rid of the church, children's church director. You don't nail them. Because why? They're more important than the project. That, you know, if somebody messes up here, we, we don't, like, go, you know, get so upset at them, because what? People are more important than what you're doing. Praise God. You have to have a good spirit. People look at you and see what kind of spirit you have. So, but now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as who please? As you please? You know, it's, it's, it's hard to believe that sometimes we don't choose our own church. God chooses it for us. I can remember, this is the last thing we're going we're to dismiss, but I can remember when I was uh, first saved and I said, Lord, please send me to a church that, I, that you want me to go to, that I'd be happy at. So we, by... People telling me about good churches. I went to this one and it just felt like home. You know, when you go there and you feel it just fits you so well. I go, This is really wonderful, Lord. And then I went home and for about four weeks I didn't go to church. Can you believe that? And uh, because now, for 33 years, I don't think I've ever missed church. And uh, so I went home and I missed church and started, you know, kind of swerving into sin. I go like, oh, this is not good. I better get to church. So again, I prayed to the Lord. Lord, send me to a church. He goes, and he was so strict and stern. He says, you asked me for a church. I sent you to a church. What do you need to look around for? Stern, just like, come on. I've got plans. You're supposed to be there. I didn't realize that, but he had everything orchestrated. I stayed there 18 years. And finally, when it was time to move on, he moved me on. But you know what? Stay... Planted where you're supposed to be, know that God has planted you in the body as He has pleased. Praise God. Well, let's pray and let's get on with the festivities. Father, we just thank you for the privilege and opportunity to worship you, to serve you, to love you in our church family. We thank you that as we go forth today, Lord God, that you'll show us and direct us in the things that we're supposed to do, that we'll have a beautiful time together, there'll be unity, harmony, and blessings as even the, the community comes to be a partakers of the festival. So Father, I thank you that you endue us and empower us from power on high to have a wonderful attitude, to love you and serve you. In Jesus' name we pray, and all agreed said Amen. Amen. Amen.